You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you stories that remind us who God is and who we are in Him. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping disciples of Jesus discover and live from their true identity in Christ, recognize and walk in their divine purpose within the kingdom of God, and experience growth in their capacity for mature, healthy relationships. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Ministries, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 13 of The Collected Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Fiondo, and this week I have something a little different planned for you. Uh, we don't have an interview. We don't have a guest. It's just going to be me, and I wanted to share a few things that God has been laying on my heart lately, especially in the season of Easter, which we are currently in. Um, I'm recording this the Friday before Easter, so on Good Friday, and it comes out the Thursday right after Easter, so kind of all in this same season. And there are just a few things where I was like, you know what? I think I have enough content. We don't need a guest this week. I got this, <laughs> which is really outside of my comfort zone. It has got, become very comfortable for me to be the interviewer and to be pulling wisdom and insight from these incredible guests that God gives me. Um, but I feel lately like He's been challenging me to also share more of my voice and more of what I've been personally learning. Um, so here we go. Um, so on this show, we talk a lot about the characteristics of God, the attributes of God. Um, our whole tagline is collecting stories that remind us of who God is and who we are in Him. Um, so this in this Easter time, I want to focus more on Jesus, Emmanuel, whose name literally means God with us. So, you know, this idea that God and Jesus are one. Jesus is God. And um, I was doing the study. I've been working on the study. I've mentioned it a few times of The Power of God's Names um, by Tony Evans. And the whole last week of the study is about Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus. And Tony Evans describes Jesus as being God-concentrated. And throughout the New Testament, Jesus is described in very specific ways that point to the names of God throughout the whole Old Testament. So these names, um, you know, that we mention in different podcast episodes that go along with his attributes of um, Jehovah Jireh, God our provider, Jehovah Nisi, our, our banner that we carry into victory, uh, Jehovah being the relational God, Elohim being the creator God, um, El Elyon, God most high, Adonai, the God who rules, El Shaddai, God almighty, like all these names of God that we've been starting to dig into more, um, especially in my outro time, I'll share little snippets of things I'm learning about the character of God. But what I love about Jesus is that he ties them all together so perfectly. Um, and of course he does. I mean, he's God. Um, but in the New Testament, we see specific verses that draw back to the names from the Old Testament, and it creates this beautiful full circle connection of Jesus being there from the beginning with God and being one with the Father. And so I just wanted to give you a couple examples of where we see this. So with Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord, our provider. Um, in John 6, 35, it says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. 
That is God tangibly providing for our needs through Jesus. And Jesus saying, I am that provider. In me, you will find everything you need um, for salvation, for life, for anything that we come up against. Um, And so that connection back to God as Jehovah Jireh from the Old Testament, as he introduced himself with Abraham, and now seeing Jesus circle back to that and also have those character traits. I also love that we see Jesus as Elohim, the Creator God. In Colossians 1.16, it says, By Him all things were created, talking about Jesus, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things have been created through Him and for Him. So, I mean, that just shows us this character of God, but also Jesus, who came to earth to walk among us, to have intimacy with us on a level that no one had ever had, you know, face-to-face with God the Father. And that is just so beautiful and so mind-blowing to me that He would do that for us, knowing full well that the end result of Him coming to earth would be his death on the cross and then his resurrection and his victory over death, the ultimate example of him as Jehovah Nisi, right? Our victory into battle. Um, In John 16, 33, it also says about him as Jehovah Nisi, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world." When he said on the cross, it is finished, that was his ultimate battle cry of this work is done. And now wait till you see what's going to happen in three days when he rose again, you know? Um, So I just loved all of that. And then to top it off, last week at church, so two weeks ago now, for those of you who are listening to this episode when it drops, um, my pastor, Jason Smith, was talking about you know, kind of leading up to Easter. It was kind of an Easter-themed message. And he shared something that gave me all the brain tingles. It blew my mind um, and just blew me away because in all the years I've heard the Easter story, I never made this connection before until Jason Jason shared this. Um, So one of the final things that Jesus says on the cross is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's in Matthew 27, 46. And I've known those as some of his last words on the cross. Like that was not new to me, but this is the exciting part. So when Jesus said these words, my pastor, Jason Smith, was explaining to us that the devout Jews in the crowd who would have, um, you know, grown up studying and memorizing the Torah, they would memorize whole sections, whole books, whole chapters of the Psalms they would have immediately known that these words are the opening line that David says in Psalm 22. And their minds would have immediately been able to fill in the blanks of the rest of the psalm. So Jason in his sermon said, you know, think of it like what would have happened in their minds when I say to you, stop, collaborate, and fill in the blank. Okay, we can all fill in those, you know, famous song lyrics. And that's what would have happened in the minds of the people when Jesus said these words on the cross. So, of course, the next logical question is, well, what does Psalm 22 say? So, um, it's a little bit long, 
but it's so rich. And I want to read this to you in the entirety. Um, So here we go. Psalm 22 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night I find no rest. You, Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Okay, so I'm going to continue in a minute, but I want to stop there because immediately the people's minds would have started with that line of being forsaken by God, but then David so quickly turns it around to the reminder that he is enthroned. He is the Holy One, enthroned in the heavens, that their ancestors trusted Him, and He delivered them. And when the people cried out, they were saved. So immediately reminding them of God's faithfulness and deliverance in the past and hinting at how much more they will be saved by the work that Jesus was doing in that very moment, the ultimate deliverance, the ultimate saving for all of humanity. Ah, It's so cool. So verse 6 continues, But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their head. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even in my mother's breast. From birth I cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Um, Strong bulls encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey, they open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. It is melted within me. My mouth is dried up, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Okay, we're going to stop there again. So that is through verse 18. And whoa, verses 6 through 18 was written 500 years before the invention of the Roman torture device of the cross of the the crucifixion that Jesus was living through. And yet David here, and this was written a thousand years before the life of Jesus, but 500 years before the crucifixion was even invented. And David is describing perfectly what Jesus is going to go through on the cross. And this, I mean, that's just crazy. And so Jesus is saying these words and certain reminding the people that this did not surprise God. Okay, this happening to Jesus was not a mistake. It was not um, unforeseen by the Lord of heaven and earth. Um, So, I mean, it just, it makes me so excited. So we know that Jesus's cry of desperation is not the end of the story. Um, and there's more in Psalm 22 I'm I'm going to read in a second. But if we look back at verse 6, where he was, you know, he in verse uh, 6 through 8, those are the things 
that the people were shouting to Jesus on the cross. You know, you say, you're king of the Jews. Why don't you get yourself down from the cross? Where is your God now? Like all of these things. And David is describing them a thousand years before this. And then verse 14, I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. That is what happened on the cross. You're, you're, I mean, they broke his bones. My heart was turned to wax. It has melted within me. You know, when they, when they pierced his side and blood and water flowed out of his body, I imagine it would look like that waxy mixture that David is describing. Verse 15, my mouth is dried up. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. That's why they gave, you know, Jesus the the sour wine or the, you know, the like kind of rag soaked in vinegar, you know, whatever that was. I need to look back exactly. Um, But his mouth was dry. Like this all happened to him. His villains were encircling him. They pierce my hands and my feet. In verse 16, all my bones are on display. He's laying there naked, people staring and gloating over him. They divided his clothes among them and cast lots for the garments. That, that is what happened to Jesus, all of this. And David had no concept of a, of a Roman crucifixion at this time. And so how just beautiful of the Lord to use this passage in this moment to say these words when he's dying on the cross, to give hope to the people in the crowds who are seeing this happen, who are feeling despair, who are feeling this confusion of, of Jesus, I followed you. I trusted you. This isn't how it was supposed to end, right? And Jesus gives them this word of like, this is not the end. And this did not surprise me. I foreshadowed this a thousand years ago when it would have been impossible to describe a crucifixion because it had not yet been invented. Um, so I want to pick up in verse 19 of this chapter, and we'll read the, through the end to the final section. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouths of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor Him. Revere Him, all you descendants of Israel. For He has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden His face from Him, but has listened to His cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in this great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. Amen. He will hold true to His promises. Verse 26, the poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise Him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember the and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow before Him, for dominion belongs to the Lord, and He rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before Him, those who cannot keep themselves alive." Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring it to a people yet unborn. He has done it. Amen. Amen. He has done it. If only David knew the truth, hope, and peace, and redemption held within those last words. And when you apply everything he said to Jesus' work on the cross— 
they, those words could not be more true. Jesus has truly done it. He has done everything that is needed to cover every sin you could ever imagine. There is not anything you can do, think, or say that is not covered by what Jesus did on the cross. What He did was enough to cover all of it. And so that is what I want to leave you with today. The reminders that when Jesus was on the cross, He said these words to remind the people that this was not a surprise to the God of the universe, that He knew this was the plan all along, that He wove hints and hope and prophecy into every part of the Old Testament so that people who were living at this time could have hope and could know that Jesus was who He said He was, and He is doing what He always said He would come to do. And along with that, it is finished. He has done it, and so we can live in the hope and freedom because the one thing that we need the most in this world is the one thing that the world cannot take away. When everything is shifting and everything is changing and things feel unsure or you're stuck in a season that you don't want to be in or you're struggling with a grief or a loss, all of that is true and valid and feels so hard on this side of heaven. But all of it is also momentary compared to this eternal promise of freedom and hope and peace and joy with Jesus. And no one can take that away from us. No matter what this world throws at us, Jesus says it is finished. And He is our victory, and and He'll come again, and it'll all make sense. Um, But I just love that He was up there suffering, and yet He was still looking down at the people in the crowd and still concerned for their well-being, enough to give them this like state this statement of of hope because he knew what it would bring forth in their minds and so i just love that and i wanted to share that with you today it felt really important um and i feel like somebody out there needed it i know i needed it just that reminder that that i am seen and i am known you are seen you are known you are loved you are free You are forgiven and redeemed, and nothing you've done is too far from God. Nothing you've done was not covered by what Jesus did on the cross. And so I hope you feel that truth today. And even if you you don't necessarily feel it, choose to believe it and choose to walk in that, even when, when you don't feel good, you know, or you don't even when you don't feel like it. Sometimes our feelings are very fickle and we have the choice to still choose to walk with the Lord and believe His truth and choose to worship Him in the midst of the despair and in the midst of the weight or in the midst of the longing. We can still choose to worship Him just like David did in Psalm 22. When things were so hard, he still ended with hope and still came back to remembering all that God had done in the past and believing the things that God would promise that God promised He would still do in the future. So that is where I'm going to leave you today. In two weeks, we will be back um, with another guest, and I'm so excited um, about the interview that I have planned um, for you and the guests we have on the docket. 
So we will be back to our normally scheduled programming, but every once in a while, I'll be dropping an episode like this. Um, if I just feel like God is laying something on my heart to share, and I'll try and keep them short, but please know that I pray for you and um, I'm thinking of you, and I know there's a lot of options out there in the podcast world, and I am so honored anytime you choose to listen to this one. And I just pray with everything in me that it brings hope, that it brings glory and honor to God's name, and that you leave feeling encouraged and strengthened and reminded of who God is and who you are in Him. So I hope you have a wonderful week, and I will see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries. You can also find Jess at Jess Biondo. If you would like to support Collected by making a tax-deductible contribution, please visit collectedministries.org slash donate. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to support and prevent unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected Podcast is produced by Jess Biondo and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Elan.